0: Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Confessions of a Keyboardist. I'm your host, Amy Frederick, and it was my great pleasure to spend a Friday afternoon in June talking with Hammond organ legend Mo Denham at his home in Burns, Tennessee. Mo gave me a copy of his CD, The Soul Jazz Sessions, and I'd like to share some of the cuts in between bits of our conversation. I sincerely hope you enjoy spending some time getting to know Mo Denham.
1: right up there on the on the refrigerator okay you can have a look at that after a while <laughs> I was at that time he had kind of almost dressed like I was doing but you can you know you can see so we were out you know for a while we made good thing and then um, Lee said we said man are you interested baby in going back and playing and he said, "Well, I wouldn't mind doing." He said, "I only got this manager job because I had a little bit of experience in it, and so they needed one for the day." And I said, "Well, how are you doing on You would you like to? Uh, <laughs> I've seen those. <laughs> would you like to, um, you know, play a little bit? Of, you know, well, this. You know, I just introduce him." And he said, "Man," he says. I remember you when when you were with another show band playing a holiday Inn circuit. That's where I met him. I said, "Yeah, I played with a bunch of bands until I found something I like." I played with, I played probably with eight bands in one year. Really? Oh Lord!
0: Um, just looking for the right fit.
1: Look, <laughs> you know, start out with a, a lot of musicians which probably should have just maybe owned instruments.
0: <laughs> Okay, right. And so
1: I kept. Wanting it. A lot of them had experience in doing shows, but they weren't very good musicians. Mm-hmm. I was the other way around.
0: I hear you. Yeah.
1: So that didn't work. And when we found Lee, um, we talked to him. And he said, Well, he says, I'm from Woodbury, Tennessee, which is just over in Cannon County. Okay. He said, I will play with you guys up here in Indianapolis for six months." And he says, but then you got to come down to Tennessee for good. Hmm. And I talked to Leon about Lee. Leon, my brother in law we were talking about in the hotel room for a while and I said, what do you think? We talked for, you know, a mile and he said, well if this guy is, you know, a manager in in a club, what's he gonna wanna do? Leave that day job and come out on the road with, you know, Pritchard and Denham who may have good gigs and may wish we had good gigs. And I said, Well man, he says, Do you have any booking agents? And I said, Well I've got one guy in Scranton, Pennsylvania that was real good when I was there. But I told him, I said, This guy doesn't know anything about the Midwest or the South or the you know, good manager and he said, Well he says, I can find some public. He said, when I was out with show bands, we had several of them. So we talked a little bit, and Leon and I said, well, let's try them out. I asked him because it was just, at that time, it was just Leon and his sister, who be- later became my wife, and she was a singer. Okay. Uh, time permitting, I'll play a little bit of that for you out there. Okay. Do I have it here? I'll find it. Um, so we brought him, we eventually brought him down here to Tennessee didn't work much at all you know and I was afraid it was a bad move and so again I talked to Leon I said well you know maybe we can you know get this guy to get us some gigs real slow real slow we started getting some there's a sax player who's still playing around town Doug Moffitt Leon and I got a gig in Murfreesboro that we got to play three nights a week, stay, but it was on a second floor, no elevator. Oh no! Imagine two guys lifting 350 pounds up a flight of stairs yep. with the help of the bartender. Yeah. Every week. Yikes! Um, but we had a handful following, and it was a good place, a nice, classy place, Tycoons. Uh, nice restaurant downstairs really nice lounge you know everything we wish it had been on the first floor would have been perfect and at that that time there was no requirement of elevators going up i mean talking <laughs> about city codes and all that right right so it was it, it was you know it was a mi- mixed thing um but it you know lee was really good the bartender other guitar players get mixed up leon and lee leon was my brother-in-law okay so he said well he said i know a lot of these people around here that come in here to drink you know and and ate you know that sort of stuff and he says i think maybe they can do us some good maybe he said he said do you have any tapes which was the thing you have any tapes and i said well i got some cassettes and he said well are they any good and i said "Well, why don't you listen to them And so he listened to him, and he said, Yeah, man. He says, I think I could play some guitar with that. Because I was doing a little bit of humor. I've perfected a lot since then. But I was doing some, and the way I found out how to do it, I'd come off stuff out of my head, and if I got people laughing or something like that, I would use it again. I've had a lot of stuff. (laughs) Right? Yeah, people would go why don't you just play? (laughs) Just, we didn't come in to hear this stupid (laughs) shit. And so we went back to that and, you know, started, and Lee was really good at, you know, front man humor, which is one of the reasons that we got him. Right. And so we did pretty good in what we call Naptown, Indianapolis. And then, you know, after it took us eight months up there, but we finally came down here. We found a place over in Auburntown. Um, still it's right on the Wilson County, Cannon County line. Auburntown had a population of about seventy. Wow. And um I'd never been in a town. I had never been in Quincy, Illinois, where I grew up was forty thousand. Okay. And
0: it's a river town? Yeah. So that it's kind of industrial?
1: It was, yeah. It used to be called the, the uh, stove and capital of the world because stoves, major stoves were made there. Uh, Motorola had a big plant. They made police radios, the kind that I was using. Yeah. Um, and they, they none of those are there. I don't know who's there. I, I Googled them probably a month and a half ago just to see. They're the same, almost exact population that I went to high school in. Wow. I thought, what the <laughs> you know, and it's always been that way. Hmm. So I thought, you know, Susan and I went on a vacation a long time ago. I think before we went to Arizona. But we went up north I at the end of that talk of end going into Quincy. I hadn't been there. <laughs> 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 what the hell is going on here? And we went by my old house where I grew up and got a picture of it over there somewhere. And it was just... <laughs> You know, well, all right. Let's go back to Tennessee and Susan. She's a native Nashvilleian.
0: Okay, Susan's your wife. Yeah. And um, but you were born in Quincy, Illinois. No,
1: I was born in Seattle.
0: Oh, really? You've been all over the place. (laughs)
1: Everywhere except Mars. Um, (laughs) I'm working on that. I hope to get there before I turn seventy-five, which will be in September.
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm a September baby, also.
1: I heard that, and I think you might be on the same day that I am. Why don't no. you tell me what your day is?
0: You're kidding. 22nd. That's mine. No way. Mm-hmm. That's great.
1: I'm probably a little older than you. I'm from 1944.
0: <laughs> well, 66 for me.
1: All right. So 66. I was still, I think, yeah, I was still right at the end of my police work. Yeah, right at the end of it.
0: You were telling some of that before I turned the microphone on. I, oh, <laughs> you know, but so hey, oh. <laughs> well, just to give a quick recap, you ended up uh, in Bangor, Maine, mm-hmm. as a working as a policeman
1: at well Air, Air Force first. <laughs> okay, and when I was there, I was at Dow Air Force Base, which is Strategic Air Command, and I was what they called a SAC train killer because we had law enforcement training and SAC at that time was the elite of the Air Force uh, B-52s and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so I'm stationed there there at, at Dow but we also went on training missions to, are you ready for this? Yeah. Thule, Greenland. Oh that's cool. I was up there four different times Whoa. Um the last time I was there was a civilian. And that was because they were use, doing USO tours. Mm-hmm. And uh, the group that I was with, that I'd been playing with, um, got on one of these tours. And I said, Well, that's been, I've been up there three times. And he said, Kind of cold up there. And I said, I said, Yeah. I said, Try 35, 40 below. Yikes. And, you know, every, all the buildings up there got doors that are. Thick as um, uh, doors and in uh, <laughs> <you know, laughs> banks, I can't say the word. Um, <laughs> but and we had special tarkas and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. walking around like this. They had cars when you pull into a, a lot. There's um, electric outlet. Oh wow. So you plug it into the car so it keeps the engine warm.
0: Okay. I think they have those in Minnesota, too, for the winter.
1: Yeah, for the winter, up north.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, northern Minnesota is a lot different than middle and southern. Middle and southern is still really cold. Yeah. Northern Minnesota is real cold. I was used to it because I've been in Greenland. I had people who their shit like this and I said I was going like this too but I've been in colder
0: mm-hmm. you lived in Minnesota too
1: lived in Minnesota came here from Minnesota
0: oh, okay okay and um, but you ended up being a policeman mm-hmm. and they said you're going to have to pick do you want to play music or be a be a <laughs> you're, cop you're, yeah mm-hmm. and so you ended up picking music yeah but but you were in Greenland four times in your life
1: mm-hmm. and okay. the <laughs> fourth time that we were up there um, as civilians we were playing, we were opening for Victor Borg. Oh, wow. And this guy was one of the funniest people that I've seen. And he's the one that I've gotten all my tricks from and stupid stuff. I, <laughs> I do things, one of my latest things is when I get done, and when we're going on a break and get done, I'll hold my right hand down on the cord. I'll stand up. I'll pull on I'll pull
2: him. <laughs> Right?
1: I get the other guys. So on Well, all three of us get there pulling my hand off the keys. In the meantime, the sound is going over. and you know the people are going, mm-hmm. is this real or is this is this some of that stupid stuff? And you know, you know, I finally get that off, and I go,
2: Ugh.
1: Have you ever had to play with your organ with your hand? <laughs> Get a good laugh out of that about half the time. The other half the time he said, you know we didn't come for that. Oh. So it's been it's been like that, you know. Oh,
0: show business is hard. <laughs> <laughs>
3: told me not to do it. Preacher told me to. My aunt and uncle told me not to do it, but I still fell in love with you. Well, my neighbor told me not to do it. My boss told me to. The dry cleaner told me not to do it, but I still fell in love with you. Baby, I can't help myself, because you just look so sweet. Forget what they all said You know you look good enough to eat A doctor told me not to do it And the postman told me to A milkman told me not to do it But I still live in love with you you told me
0: You're going to come to Nashville. You're playing like get. You said you played with eight different bands, oh, or like of over the course a bunch yeah. more. Okay.
1: Early when I got out of uh, when I left uh, uh, Copton.
0: Okay, you you told me like earlier before I turned the microphone on again that you were playing a Wurlitzer. How okay? How long did you play that? And
1: well, I bought that. I had some money. Um. My parents wanted to send me uh, to college. I come from an almost affluent family, not quite, but they'd saved up money. My sister went to Monticello College for her. Uh, You know, all that sort of stuff. So they wanted to send me to college. Well, it wouldn't work. And the reason they wouldn't send me to college was because I was an absolutely horrible student. I didn't give a damn about school. I wanted to do this. Yeah. So Play music. Yeah. Um, I had about a D my age, which was about the lowest you can get and still be out of prison.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> so they planned, they'd saved up this money, you know, to send me to a college and I, you know, and I said, you know, they said, well, I guess you can't do it because you've had such low grades in high school. Surprised they didn't kick you out. And I said, I wish they had. (laughs) So they said, well, maybe you should enlist in the service. And that was time Vietnam was just starting. Oh, dear. So it was when the draft was going. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I can enlist. I don't want to be drafted because they might send me to Vietnam or who knows where. Yeah. So I enlisted in the Air Force and they sent me to San Antonio, Texas for basic training. Um, When I got out of that, that was when they said, okay, you're going into um, law enforcement. Um, They didn't call them uh, MPs or military cops in the Air Force. It was the same thing except it was air police. So I said, well, I guess I have to do that. He said, "You have your choice between ground photography and law enforcement." That was a hard choice to make. but I, you know, went in law enforcement training and in, in the service, and I got out, and then I told you the rest. Um, but it's just been, you know, up and down. Most of the time, up. A lot of the time, kind of in the middle.
0: How did you know you were in a music like that? You knew you were a musician so young. Did you have a piano at the house? Yes. Or?
1: My mother was a musician. Oh, really? She was a classical musician. Okay. Um, she had a Steinway Baby Grand. Get out. Yeah, and that's what I started. I I was uh, 11 years old, and my mother bought a Hammond B3.
0: No way.
1: She thought she could play it, because she thought, well, harold has got keyboards. <laughs> you know, and she discovered, after about... I don't know, it wasn't too awfully long that that might have been a mistake for her. I didn't know any better. I just knew the sound was different, and I knew these little things that you pulled out were kind of funny. But listen, I pulled this out. Listen, it changed. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm 11 years, 11, 12 years old, and she just bought that. And I started playing it a little bit more. Um, The funny part about it is, if it's funny, was my mom talked me in well she didn't talk me in. she sent me to a piano teacher okay mrs johnson
0: oh boy you remember her name
1: when you're my age you have great long-term memory <laughs> the other side of that is like, like i said i can't remember half past yesterday afternoon
0: <laughs> well i'm thinking she was you either liked this lady or disliked her greatly and she
1: more or less disliked me
0: Oh, oh, that. Oh, okay.
1: And the reason for that is I didn't want to learn to read music. I didn't care about that. And to be honest with you, at my age right now, I still don't read music. Right. I read some chord charts. You know what I need to. Yeah. But I don't read. You know, I just never have had never had a need for it. Right. Fortunately for me. But the teacher, one day, she called my mom and she said edward is i don't think it's going to work uh he's just he just doesn't want it. he says he says mrs marshall which is my last name legally she said i think that you are wasting my time and your money don't think he's going to be able to do anything because all i wanted to do still i think about 12 13 years old I just wanted to get say. I just wanted to play what I knew how to play in the key of C.
0: Okay, all
2: right. Key
1: of C. You know, you don't have to play any of those black keys and <laughs> okay. that thing. Just play, you know, just real easy. Key of C. I uh, played some stuff. Um, Pres Prado was a big um, Brazilian music. He had a, a big hit called Patricia, and it was like a top forty hit. And I learned it real well. My mom, she decided, well, he knows that he can play some stuff on here. And she said, well, you know, talking to Mrs. Johnson, she said, well, if you don't want to do it. And she said, he doesn't want to learn what I'm trying to teach. She was trying to teach the John W. Sean piano course. That was the thing that. Everybody learned. John W. Shaw, you know, built with these pictures of old people playing the piano and organ.
0: <laughs> right. You no,
1: know, just piano, as a matter of fact.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, just get that away from me. <laughs> so I learned Patricia. Okay. And there was another one that I learned, but Patricia, she really, really loved.
0: Your mother loved My it. mother. Loved hearing you play it.
1: Uh-huh. And so, this is when we had the B3.
0: Mm-hmm. You you it on the B3? Mm-hmm.
1: I'll tell you about that in a minute, but um, I started when I didn't have to go to Mrs. Johnson anymore. And remember, I'm still at that just before teenage, and I'm thinking, okay, but then I didn't sit down at the piano for a while, but then I thought it was still sitting, well, it wasn't sitting there, she'd gotten rid of it to get the organ. And so I played the piano for a while, you know, but when she got the, when my mom got the organ, it was... There was no Leslie. They never had Leslie's with Hammond organs. It was Donald Leslie who invented that and Lawrence Hammond. They didn't like each other. Yeah. So, anyway, so we had a really horrible sounding Hammond JR20, what they called a tone cabinet.
0: I had one of those with hmm. my organ. It came yeah. with that. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It was in a church for several Yeah,
1: years. well, mine yeah. Uh, I know exactly
0: what My
1: mine. mom got hers out of a hotel lounge, a huh. really nice hotel lounge. The hotel lounge had decided. They didn't want that big organ in there, so they got something small. Don't even know what they got. Hmm. My mom used to go there all the time because that was a nice place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they found out that uh, they were getting rid of this ham. And my mom said, said, you know, I think I've heard one of those. And at that time, anything that you heard on the radio, baseball games, soap operas, uh, commercials, any time you heard an organ, it was one of those. And still is. Yeah. Um, but, so I started playing around with it, and then I started messing with those draw bars. Oh, this is really cool, but the bass pedals were there, and I didn't want to have anything to do with them. <laughs> right. So after a while, uh, she found a, a guy that taught strictly organ. Okay. Most of what he taught was for churches and yeah. classical and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, and I didn't want to play any of that. Still don't. Uh, so I went to him. I can't remember his name now, but I went to him. And he taught me prof- He taught me what the drawbars are all about, you know, and the touch on the organ and all that sort of stuff. And I was starting to learn it. I did not want anything to do with those bass pedals. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, I don't remember how long, I, it was, he taught me good organ, you know, how to, how to do it. And a lot of what I do to this minute, I learned from him. Um,
0: Fundamentals?
1: From the, not the music itself. Yeah. But how to play the organ, the Hammond. Yeah. The difference between Hammond and anything else. So Hammond is a whole different boat. Okay. And that's what he was teaching. All right. And, you know, some music to play on it, but how to play it on it. Yeah. So he had those bass pedals hooked up, and I, you know, I didn't like, you know, do I have to do those? You know, I just want to do this. Hey, do I have to do those? And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He said, when you learn to play a musical instrument, you learn to play the entire instrument. That includes the bass pedals. Mm-hmm. If you don't play the bass pedals, don't call yourself an organist. Call yourself a musician that plays... Keyboard instruments. Back in that time it was mostly piano.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: Wurlitzer had just come out a little bit after that defender Rhodes. Yeah. Which I still have one out there. And it was my mother was thinking, you know, she she was thinking I was pretty good. This is when I was getting into high school, you know, and started playing around with some of the one local band which in Quincy was the big band, it was Freddie Tekin and the Rockers. And they played at a place called The Barn, which was the place where all the bands played. I always wanted to play there, but I was too young to go in there. Yeah? Anyway, he had a keyboard player, and I got to listen to him through the ear at the door. Yeah, yeah. And I liked it. In the meantime, my mother was... She was getting ready to get rid of the organ. She says, I, you know... And I talked her into keeping it. And I said, Mom, I, said, I like to play that thing. Uh said, Mr. whatever, I can't remember his name. You know, he taught me all about these drawbars and stuff. And I got by and I showed, showed her what I can do. And she said, well, you know, it's, it's... I can't... I don't understand what's going on here. And my organ teacher had said... The piano and the organ, the only thing alike is the keyboard. That's it. Great. They're as different as a Gibson guitar and a Chevrolet. Okay. And she couldn't play it. She was a trained classical pianist. Great. Yeah. I didn't like the music, but she was very good at playing it. Yeah. We had a hi-fi, Magnavox hi-fi. That was the thing. My mom and dad would always buy the best of anything. Not a lot of it, like their friends, but what they had. The organ, the J.R. 20 Hammond speaker, beautiful furniture.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And,
1: you know, it's pretty much like this Leslie is to this organ here. Um, but I didn't, you know, I'd hear the Leslie on, on the records
0: yeah.
2: And
1: I thought that's a really cool sound so I tried to get it on the organ. I couldn't <laughs> get it on the organ
0: right <laughs>
1: so I'm starting to think you know my I'm getting a little bit older the whole time I'm trying to figure out well where are these guys getting this I find I was a Leslie speaker yeah I said, why can't the people that sell the Hammonds sell them and so uh, I guess it was the same organ teacher and he said he said, well, the thing is he said the people that make the Leslie and the people that bank Hammond don't like each other. And Don Leslie and Lawrence Hammond. Lawrence Hammond had a thing, all his franchise dealers, he would not allow them to sell Leslie speakers. Yeah. So there was other organ and piano places that sold um, Wurlitzer and Baldwin and Lawry pianos and some and some organ's. Right, they had Leslie's. They had. They were hooking them up to. I don't even remember the brand of the organ. They're horrible, but they sound pretty good with a Leslie. Mm-hmm. So the thing I found out was that since Don Leslie and Lawrence Hammond didn't like each other, uh, people that wanted that Leslie sound but they wanted a Hammond, the people other, and this was in Quincy, uh, they had worked out a deal that people that wanted the Leslie would hear about it and they'd go over to this de- dealer and they say, we have a hookup that you can hook up to a Hammond organ. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm still young I can't buy one. You know, I've got maybe a nickel in my pocket. Yeah. Um,
0: they're pretty expensive too, aren't they? I mean...
1: Yeah. They're not cheap. Yeah. Um, even then? Even then. In fact, even then probably more expensive because they were, you know, they were professional.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... So, I never did get my mom and dad to get one, but um, with the money that I got, to, you know, that they said, well, here's this money enlist in the Air Force. So, with some of that money, um, even in Bangor, Maine, some of these instruments were starting to get popular. The World of Sir Electric Panel, the Hammond, Oregon, also some of this other crap. But, um, they had Leslie's. And so, I got this Worlitz well, of piano and I figured out a way to hook the Leslie up to it. And it sounded pretty good. Still it didn't sound like a Hammond, but it was cool sounding. Yeah. And so I had that and I'm still I'm still um serving my country. Uh but I started playing with these bands around with that and I was finally when I was finally able to get the organ, which was when I was starting to you know, i left the place and all that. Started recently, we got I got an old used um, B3, which I'll show you up there. Bought it brand new, and it has a story. But anyway, I was able to get that and get a Leslie.
3: the politicians there wouldn't be no greed but one for bad conditions wouldn't be no need to need every word i'm saying is true listen up brother i'm talking to you there wouldn't be no bebop Listen to what I'm saying I'm talking to you I'm talking to you Listen up
1: Never had, you know, a, a keyboard player with a big damn instrument like that. <laughs> the keyboard players of that band, you know, the the clubs would have a piano.
0: Okay, lucky
1: wow. if it was in tune.
0: Uh, I guess so. Um, and how could you even be heard?
1: They had mics. Okay. Actually, they still do. Yeah. Um, but they had mics on it. They go through and then, you know, mics on the Leslie's at the top and the bottom, and yeah you know, it was pretty cool. um it had the what they call the half moon switch, which I have on one of these, yeah. which turns the motors on and off and so I got it, and it was the the leslie and it was in fairly good condition enough you know to play later on. you know, just did this and did that and got different things I was finally able to get this my first b three you bought it yourself. With the money that my parents had given me.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. What happened to the one that was at your mom and dad's house?
1: Uh, I have no idea where it is. Oh, okay. Um, it's none whatsoever. It disappeared after I went to Bangor, Maine, and I'd go back to see my folks once in a while and it just wasn't there, but I didn't ask about it. Gotcha. I just, you know, I well, (laughs) I remembered that my mom didn't like it because she couldn't play it, but there was no piano in there anymore either. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so I thought, okay. (laughs) That's all right. Whatever they want to do or whatever they don't want to do, I'm going to do this. Gotcha. And, you know, so it was that background, you know, getting right there only went a period of about five years, all the way from, no, six years, all the way from when I enlisted to all the way when I turned in, resi- uh, resigned from, and turned my badge and, and uh, ID. Okay. Um, and then so the rest kind of slowed out a little bit, but it I hate playing piano. <laughs> I can play it real well. Yeah. Not as well as the organ. Okay. But I can get by. Right. I go down to Rudy's every now and then, which is a fairly new jazz club, about two years, yeah. open. And I uh, had a couple of gigs down there, but they have a real nice, in fact, a beautiful grand down there. So when I go down there, I've got some friends that play down there regularly. Uh, one bunch that plays there every Wednesday night and the Wooten Brothers. Mm-hmm. And Reggie and all the rest of them I know real well. Before they became a group themselves, first came to town. I grabbed some of them. Some of my friends grabbed some of the others.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And uh, you know to
0: play in bands with yeah, them. Yeah,
1: to play and come in and play in my group.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Reggie was the one guitar player. the so one I had him as my guitar player when he first came to town. Then I started playing with some of the others. Uh, so I still. Occasionally go down there. They know me real well. They invite me right up. It's a grand piano, beautiful one, best playing one that I have. And and Joseph Mooten is the regular guy. I have another guy, Eric Blue, I think his name is. Both of them excellent, as you could expect. And Joseph told me he said, "Man, he said this is the greatest sounding and playing piano he says I ever have." And this guy is a professional, world-known pianist. Yeah. Joseph Wooten. Yeah. And so he said, man, he said, get up here and play this thing. So I started playing. I played some of the stuff that I knew how to play on the piano. And I realized, wow, this thing is cool. And the sound, you know. And Rudy, the place that was named Rudy was after the Wooten brothers, a uh, brother named Rudy, Rudy, who had passed away.
0: I didn't know
1: that yeah um so um what was his name Rent's Place Adam Baba I can't remember uh, he named the place after I had, Rudy Wooden it and it's part of the idea. reason why the Wootons are always there on Wednesdays
0: oh okay wow that's yeah. good
1: it's uh you know it's a great place um uh, I had a bunch of gigs down there um uh, One that I had down there didn't work too well, and um, it's been a little hard to get in there since, but I worked a Tuesday night at a 6.30 to 8.30, or 6 to 8.30 slot, had about two or three people come in. And I'd worked about four or five gigs before, not just real close together, and I didn't draw a huge crowd. yeah. But i got some people who know her. They came in for some dinner and everything like that. And said, yeah, you're doing pretty good. And so <laughs> this one Tuesday night where I didn't draw anything, he said, man, he said, I don't know if I can use it anymore. He said, you're not drawing, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have in been there since. Um, I just, I hope to get back in there again sometime.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, gigs are weird. Sometimes it's, you know, you just can't ever tell.
1: And sometimes... Oh. <laughs> Sometimes you think you got a good one, and um, then they say, you yeah, you're not what we're looking for, or you're not drawing. Right. Um, or I'll get in a band which is like so-called, or there'll be so-called bands, you know, that people think they're just wonderful. Um, have you heard the... Uh, the ass paddlers, man, I'll tell you what, they came to town, those guys are cool. You know, and I go to hear them, said so what, you know, why don't, why don't they not spend money buying a musical instrument? This is crazy.
0: Yeah. And
1: there's still groups like that, but at the same time, they're just monster groups. Nashville has got some absolutely some of the best bands I've ever heard. Yeah. some of them I had the pleasure of playing with and sitting in with and you know and I've played all over the country I've done Europe um, and I've played with some monster players I've you know sat in with some very well known bands just sat in with them yeah. all that sort of stuff and enjoyed it really good blah 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 yeah. and I came in to, uh, to Rudy's and this is when they were still just opening about two years ago something like that that piano was up there, and Joseph was playing it, and I'm in there. Man, I could hear the woots all together. Ooh. (laughs) They still are. I mean, they don't are all together that much because um, Joseph is out. Um, Victor, who's become very well, he's pretty much a famous bass player now. Sure. Um, Reggie's still doing a thing at Rudy's. And he gets in a lot of different players. Yeah. You know, and um, I have been one, but not for a while, but that's only because I haven't been able to get there. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, I do it, you know, once in a while. We have a good time. But I'll tell you, some of these bands here, um, it's like I said earlier, there are musicians that all come to town and they find each other, and then later on they kind of go like, you know, like that. Some of them, on there's a couple on some of my CDs that you'll hear that are just monster players. Um, the drummer that I had on the soul jazz sessions, uh, Robert Bond is his name. Uh, Robert was my drummer uh, for eleven years here in, in town. His wife is from Warsaw, Poland he'd been back and forth. Wow. So he played with me. So he had to leave because his wife and in-laws were over there, and his wife had to go back there, so he went back. He's wow. doing some teaching and stuff like that <laughs> over wow. there. But, you know, it's you know, it's kind of like that. So then I started playing with these different people, and I finally was able to get some guys that would work with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. And it's kind of been that way, you know, since I... Um uh, I don't get out to play as much as I would really like to. Um but, you know, I'm thirty five miles west out of town and yeah. Some of the younger players are thinking, well, you know, he's too old, he's you know, he's he can hardly stand up, you know. You know. We don't know if he could play or sing anymore. You know, so let's go let's get this other guy over here what's his name Charles uh, yeah he's really good well Charles is playing with Duffy Jackson yeah who's one of the greatest drummers you know Count Basie and all that stuff yeah and with Jack Pearson yeah and um, he plays Charles plays with Duffy's group and then he plays with Jack uh, with Jack and it's basically the same band right um, Jack is an old friend of mine my former brother-in-law who I told you about the drummer, when we first came down here we, we got a house in, in Murfreesboro and we're still playing with Lee Solomon and a few other people but we were in my house and it was uh, in, in the we go out in the backyard and we could hear some guitar coming, it looked like it was you know, the back of their house and the back of my house, there's the yard and we kept hearing this, hearing this guitar. We didn't know who it was or anything. Kept, it was pretty good. Yeah? You know, not just super, but it was pretty damn good. We kept listening to it. And so finally, we found him. And, you know, we got to listen to him and talking to him and all that sort of stuff. And I, You know, he was 15 years old. Whoa. Maybe 16. And um, this was in Murfreesboro. So we managed to sneak in sneak him into a, a club there to play with. He was legally way too young.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But we snuck him in. It was a place called the filling station, um, just east of MTSU. And it was a place where all them kind of bands played. Yeah. So we played in there. We'd been playing in there once or twice as a duo. But we'd heard Jam. Yeah. And this was before Lee Solomon. We heard him. We couldn't get him to play with us full time because of his age. But we heard him. We thought, this is cool. So we finally talked him into, you know, coming over and playing a few tunes with us. And he was just... I was going, (laughs) this kid, kid. this is what, he's about 16 years old, something like that. At that time, he was Jackie Pearson. Okay. And... So Leon and I, uh, to this day, still take credit for discovering him okay. in Murfreesboro. I mean, his bio will say he was born here in Nashville. Doesn't say anything about Murfreesboro, but that's where he comes from. Yeah. And so we finally got him to play some gigs with us, and then finally he started being seen by other people. They said, man, have you heard this guitar player? Young kid. monster." That was the name everybody got when you were good. Right. Monster player. Yeah. And you know, so we sn- snuck him into the filling station and into a few other places, <laughs> only in Quincy. But, you know, it's just, you know, and then we left. I went, I went into the service, and I had no idea where anybody else went because at that time I was, yes, sir.
2: <laughs> right.
1: And um, then later on, Jack started showing up at a few other places. And started showing up with some bands that were damn good. Yeah. And he's just getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And you probably know of his reputation now. Sure. I'll be going. He's been having a big birthday bash uh, a week from tonight down at 3rd and Leslie. Okay. I'll be there. Great. And... um Bill Link will be when you know Bill. I do, yeah. Uh, he's coming out here, and he's going to take me in there and bring me back. Awesome. And I told him I said I'll pay all your expenses. Won't cost you a dime. He, you know, I asked a few other people, who either didn't want to or didn't have time or so on and so forth. But Bill and um, Dan Monaco, um, who's they're both excellent organ players. Yeah. Himself, just. Mm-hmm wonderful. Yeah. And wonderful people. So we've become kind of close. Yeah. Uh, I called Dan and said, man, can you take me into Jack's birthday bash? And he said, man, I'm going to be out. And so he gave me a bunch of names. He said, get, you know, um, he said, get Brent, Brett, uh, uh, get, he said, have you called Bill William? When, And I said, well, no, not yet. He said, we'll call him. So I called Bill, and he said, "Well, he says I think I have that date open. Let me see." So if he, you know, he texted me back, and he said, "I think I think I can do it." He said, "I think," and then as recently as yesterday, I think he said, "It's on. I'll be out there. We'll do the thing." Great. So I'm cool. I'll be there. Great. If anybody goes up to sit in, I'll be one of them.
0: Yeah. Good.
1: Uh, I have. The grain room pass and all that stuff. I'm a yeah. star. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: well, let me say this. Um, yesterday, I was up down at Corner Music, and I was talking to Larry, mm-hmm. and um, told him I was going to be coming out here too and you know, I just said, you know, Mo Denim. He said, everybody knows Mo Denim, <laughs> and I, you know, I agree with him. I've I've known who you are for probably 20 years.
1: Oh my God! And
0: wanted to talk to you. And, know, and get to meet you and know you yeah so I would have to say you know that you do have a legendary status around Nashville um, alright how do you like this is what I want to know I mean there's probably lots of things I want to know but like what's my burning question of the moment is how do you get from fiddling around on your b your mom's B3 which I have to say that is the coolest <laughs> introduction to the B3 I've ever heard in my yeah. life that your mom bought one yeah that's amazing and I'm yeah but so you, how do you go from there to where you are now I mean how did you get good at playing jazz Just, and blues
1: well I've always liked it better you know I can play country uh, I'm okay but I don't like it country music is fine where it is I have a great deal of respect for it uh, I know a good deal of musicians that play country music for a living mm-hmm and so I'm not against it at all. There's some stuff that comes out that I'm going, you know, some of the stuff that they call country politan that you hear now. Yeah. That's some of my radio experience from from Indianapolis trying to have day jobs while I was trying to play, you know, I had a good voice. I, you know, I would never done radio, but I had I just seemed to be okay with it.
0: Mhm. You were a DJ.
1: I was a DJ at first and then I got into news. Really? And the reason for that, part of that, was because uh, as a police officer, I was able to get a lot of really close inside details about a really lot of stuff. Okay. And news reporters have to do that to this day as, as much as yesterday in Normandy with, uh, what's his name, Donald uh, Trump? Something. Um, and so, I, you know, I got pretty good at that. Yeah. And... I probably could to this day, but the whole time. And so when I was doing radio, I got known for that, and I got known for playing music. Now, here's another funny story, as long as you're recording, people's going to laugh at this, or maybe not. Uh, Leon and Lee Solomon and I were up in Indianapolis, and I got a job. Uh, I think the first gig that I had was... WGNS and I got uh, first as a disc jockey, it was a top 40 station the one in Indianapolis and so I got a job the station was owned by a company called Star Stations and I think they are out of some place in Oklahoma they had three stations uh, and two of nine up, they had one in Texas, one in Quincy and one in I think Portland, Oregon they all had the same format, the top 40 thing. They would give you the name that you would use.
0: Oh, man. Really? Yeah.
1: yeah. I wasn't at Mo Denham at, uh, at WGNS. No, I was Roger W. Morgan. Roger who? W. Morgan. Oh, okay. Roger W. Morgan. <laughs> top 40. Top 40 country I can't remember this stuff oh yeah much more music much more office get organized and the station was in what had been an old Buick uh, dealership with a showroom right on Meridian Street the main north-south thing of Indianapolis so we were in there, and the people could drive by and see us. <laughs> That's great. You know, all the disc jockeys. I was the morning one doing drive time.
0: Oh, wow. And I
1: hated it because I <laughs> I really had to... You know, I'd been playing music the night before. Oh, yeah. And then have to come in, and, and my shift would start at 6 a.m.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I was used to doing that, not at that time, but when I was in the Air Force and everything, you know, got all that stuff. Oh, wow. So... I got pretty good at being duck Roger W. Morgan. I said, now we're going to have this thing. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be known for organizing." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what? You know, I was just still a young kid. I just, <laughs> you know, I just left some bands that had left, and I left the police. And I'm in there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'd kind of like doing this, mm-hmm. you know, doing this. Uh, much more music, much more often on a million dollar weekend. come on in and get organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah And the people would drive down and they could see me. Yeah, you know I'd wave at them and I'd start doing contests with them as they were driving by to see who was <laughs> looking. <laughs> and that was how I would get people organized. Okay. And it was just it was it was stupid, but it sold.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: A lot of radio still is stupid. <laughs> I mean that's just my opinion, and I apologize to all the people that I used to be in the business with. Um, but you know, it to answer your question <laughs> about how did I get one to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Well. While I was in Indianapolis, I worked at three different radio stations, and uh, left. I I worked at uh, WIFE for the most time. Um, Then I left there because I was getting tired of being told how to talk,
2: Mm.
1: what to say, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. (laughs) I was thinking, I'm not sure I want to do this, but I still like radio. There was a well WIFE. Star stations. and All the stations had call letters that did words like WIFE. Wife. And uh, down in Oklahoma, it was uh, KOIL. Okay. Call,
0: <laughs> okay. You know,
1: um, you know that sort of thing. Okay. But I, I you know, I'm just looking around. Maybe I can still re- do radio. Maybe at these other stations, like maybe WIRE. WIRE, not connected with. Why or any of these other stations at all. Yeah. But it was still wire. Okay. And it was a country format. All right. And so I went to work for them and I'm thinking, well, country. And I was still, you know, playing organ and getting really interested in jazz and blues. I just kind of like that. Yeah. But I was working the country station. Beautiful people. Great people to work for. A good audience. Um... I had another name there, which I'm not sure what it was, Uh, but I had a good, you know, country following. Yeah. And um, it was, at that station, it was, the country music was just starting to go from the traditional uh, into a little bit, a little bit more, adding a little bit more. So W... IRE was one of several stations, country stations, that started a format that they referred to as countrypolitan.
0: Well, okay. That now, means urbanized country?
1: Yeah. It's pretty much what you hear now. Okay. Uh, but I, I learned a lot about, you know, traditional, or original country musicians and I don't play it, never have really cared to play it. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, and I can still remember a little bit about Dolly Parton and Hank Williams and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and uh, all those people. Right. Respect all of them. Still do. Most of them are dead, but, you know, it's still, they're, they're great. They started it. Yeah. They're still the people. I respect all country musicians, but those people, the original ones... You know, I learned so much because i would learned a lot about rock and roll.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All of it from radio.
0: So you're listening to records all day long?
1: All day long. Gotcha. You know, playing them, you know, and I have to have them time to the commercial. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing.
0: Um, LPs? 45s.
1: I've okay. got one I'll show you later. Okay. First 45 that I've ever recorded. I still have all those. Okay. Uh, but the station was playing... Um, some LPs, well, not the rock and roll or country stations. That was when forty fives were start co- coming out. Uh, but the L the LPs was FM at that time was strictly classical. Okay. Strictly classical. Oh wow! If, and my mother loved it. <laughs> she would put on this classical music on our on our. The way needed stereo then on the Magnavox. Yeah. And it was this. It was. Good sounding music, I I mean I didn't I didn't pay attention, I didn't like it. Yeah. I said, you know, this uh, where is what is now called the groove?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't know <laughs> what it was, but it was the groove. Where is it? Okay. You know it's not there, it's not what I'm hearing on, on my radio stations and all this. So I started like, and started learning a little bit more about it. And all this time, even when I'm in the service and everything, I'm playing a little bit of piano, some organ. This first group that I went on the road with when I left Bangor was pretty much top forty. Okay. And Which,
0: like, what were some of the? What was your set list like?
1: Can oh. <laughs> oh Lord, I'd have to go back and look at some of that.
0: Um, um, Motown. Or Primo Town?
1: Oh, way Primo Town.
0: Um, let's see, like, uh, so who would that have been? Uh, uh, like Chicago? Um, what was that? B-
1: before record? then, it was, okay. we're, we're talking, um, we're talking mid to late 60s. i just gotten out of the service, just was starting to play some in the in the other thing. That's when I found okay. the other band, but it was still.
0: So Beatles? Before then. Before then, okay. Yeah,
1: I'm really old. <laughs> yeah. Um, platters? I'm
0: trying to think. Who
1: platters. Um, platters were in that area. Okay. Era, area.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was familiar with them, still didn't quite play, you know, with them. I was getting interested in a lot of artists and in things I'd never heard of. I just knew I kind of liked what they played. That's when I started playing by ear. Gotcha. That's when my piano teacher said, you know, wasting <laughs> your money, you know. Yeah. So I started, I'd hear these things on a radio. I said, I kind of like that. And I'd hear them and I'd hear them. I said, I really like that. And the one tune I told you about before. Yeah. Was, there um, was a guy by the name of Praz Prado. And he he came from the 50s. Okay. And he started getting top 40 hits one of them was a song called Patricia. Yeah. And I can still play it just because I played it. Yeah. But and I learned how to play it, you know, by ear right. in the KSC. Got a little bit better at a little bit better at it. I would play the record. My mother loved it. I'm, you know, it was, you know, you know she liked the Latin music. As well as the classical music, press Prado was more in the Latin thing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's got a groove, I bet. It does.
1: ba da 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 ba ba ba. Yeah, one of those <laughs> I
0: remember that song. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: she loved it, and I'd learned how to play it. Okay. And my mom loved to have cocktail parties at about four o'clock in the afternoon, two or three week, two or three times a week. All of her other friends. Um there were some people that owned the rest the nice restaurant that she bought the organ from you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they would all come they'd sit around you know drink their cocktails and smoke cigarettes and go out sort of stuff that they did in those days and my legal middle name is denim and there will probably be a lot of people here hear this that have no idea who I was before I was Mo Denham. But my, I was Edward Denham Marshall. And a brief history of that, my grandfather's name was Robert Newton Denham. And he was famous. He was a political famous. Uh, he was a conservative, what is now Republican. That was when Harry Truman was the president. Okay. Harry Truman being somewhat of a liberal Democrat. Uh, my grandfather, along with a few other people, they were lawyers uh, representing lawyer uh, unions and that sort of stuff. There was a sort of a thing where Harry Truman wanted to get, you know, more of the Republican side. He wanted to, you know, kind of get the unions together with the... You know, it was, I didn't understand a lot of it. I just knew that, you know, he ended up being one of the several lawyers that uh, wrote the what is now known as the Taft-Hartley uh, Labor Act. Okay. He also got fired by Truman uh, by Harry Truman because he did not do it the way that Truman wanted it. Yeah. And Truman said, "Uh-uh." So Truman fired him. And there was a big headline in the paper. I think we have a picture of it somewhere. This is back when newspaper, there were newspaper boys on the corner. Yeah. You know, with the papers. Yeah. And so about the day after uh president fired my granddaddy, here comes this newspaper out. Big headlines. Truman fires denim. <laughs> but that's my middle name. And that's where denim came from. All right. Mo, which I got from the Air Force, is the first three letters of Marshall.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So I became Mo Denim. Gotcha. And there, folks, that's how it happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was my, it was my, the Air Force guy. Um he said, you know, I this how do you pronounce that? He says, Is it Marshall or, or <laughs> Marshal? <laughs> I said, What's that? You know, he said, I, I like the first three letters. He said, I'm just gonna call you Mo <laughs> And I said, Okay, sir <laughs> And he said, Yeah. He said, Now that's unofficial. He said, It's just between you and me.
0: Hm, okay
1: So I thought that's cool. <laughs> All right, so I became Mo, and then um, Dunham came along. They thought, "Well, that's a good sounding. You know, it has good ring to it." Mm-hmm. So that's what everybody knows me by this day.
0: Gotcha. So,
1: if you go out and say, have you ever heard Edward Marshall play that organ? You like, who the hell is that? And
0: uh, right?
1: also, Roger W. Morgan at WIFE, Lucky 13 in Indianapolis. <laughs> 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 so, I've done a lot of that. Well, you know, it's just been fun.
0: Interestingly enough, um, some people called, my, my dad, he's deceased, but some people used to call him Mo.
1: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mo or Moe.
0: Mo. Okay. His middle name was Mosley.
1: Oh, okay. And I can see that.
0: So, but his first name was William, and that's very mm-hmm. formal. So, but yeah, some people they would either call him Mosley or Mo. Uh huh. So.
1: Yeah, well, I was, when I was really growing up, because I was Edward Denham Marshall, my father was Edward Christian Marshall, and so they didn't want to call me Ed or anything like that. So my sister came up with. The, the nickname, she was like five years older than me. She came up with the nickname of Denny. Okay. So for a long time in school and my friends, I was Denny Marshall. Whole different thing from Mo Denham. <laughs> here's Mo Denham over here, and here's that little kid way over there. What's the name? Denny. So, you know, then I became Edward Marshall in the Air Force. I still was not. It still, you know, that you go by your first name Mm -hmm. and your last name. Yeah. And so that was it. I was Edward. They never even called me Eddie. I didn't like that anyway. So I'm glad they didn't call me Eddie. Yeah. Now some people will go around now and say Eddie. (laughs) Anyway, you know, it just it just kind of went, you know, like that. It's still going that to yeah. this day it's going there um,
0: man of many names
1: yeah Roger W. Mar- I mean <laughs> I don't know who I am I have to look at my driver's <laughs> licenses and my legal name right and um the picture on, on my license is about seven or eight years old All <laughs> right. as I always seem to be yeah so anyway to make a, a really long story even longer <laughs> trying to cut it short um we all came down here from Minneapolis, and that's when I was starting to get a little bit more into it. I still had to make some money. We were living in Auburntown, then Woodbury, part of the same county, and finally get into Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro is a big time. I mean, we play. I played big time before, but in a long time before, and never in Tennessee. So. And we ended up being in Auburntown for a while, and Mur- uh, Murfreesboro was a place. You know, they've got, you know, MTSU and everything. That's got to be a pretty good place to play. Plus, you know, i had been to places like, at that time, you know, the Filling Station.
0: What uh, year approximately is this?
1: Uh, that would have been... See, for. Pardon me while I'm talking. Uh, about 67, somewhere around there.
0: Okay, okay.
1: And... Uh, Finally got in. Still, my brother-in-law Leon and I think Lee Solomon was with us. There was another guy, Joey Giuliano, who came with. Me. He's a monster too. Don't know what happened. To him anyway, here we are in Auburn town and I think Lee Solomon kind of got us in there. He knew a bunch of people in in Murfreesboro, so we started playing in there. It started getting pretty good. That's when we ended up getting over at Tycoon's, which was a place where we had to lift the organ up to the second floor. (laughs) And then a few other places. Then there started to be some of these college kids that heard about us. Also, we had Jack Pearson from time to time as a kid. Yeah, They'd come out and kind of hear us. Well, there's this one sax player that came out. He sat in with us for a while, and then he had a few gigs that we were able to play with. Well he knows some people in Nashville he said and I never played there yet he said there's a jazz club oh um, uh, Lord uh, when I'm trying to think of something I can't remember it um, it was over in Green Hills uh, I can't think of it now but um, he got me in there and he introduced me to this guy and he said this guy says said I want him to hear you He says, he plays a lot. Turned out it was Cliff Richmond. And to this day, Cliff and I are very good friends. Um, I had, I was, when he was playing at a place called the Japanese, um, Tokyo Japanese Steakhouse, I think it is, right over there in Green Hills area too. Yeah. He was playing with his group, every weekend, maybe a Saturday or something like that and I ended up going over and sitting in with him all the time just on a piano. I ended up going over there playing for free on purpose yeah because he couldn't afford to pay me yeah or if he could he didn't want to and I and he just couldn't afford to pay me sure but I thought you know this is a good band. It was Doug Moffat that showed him to me okay. And I, you know, ooh, you know, maybe I'm getting into the circle here. I had to take my own gear there. Um, so I took like a little electric piano and a little amp, show up with it. And I told him, I said, you don't need to pay me as long as I can get in here and grab something to eat at McDonald's or something. I said, I'm cool. He said, I'm, I told him, I said, I'm coming over to play. I want to keep my playing up because I was still starting to get known by a few people. And I said, I have to keep my playing with. It. I don't care if I get paid or not. Yeah. I said, I, did, I come here to play. And that's what I did all the way up to the end when there started to be these big condos across the street. This has been last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the guy that ran the place, he still does. Just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um whole staff there. I mean, it was just—it was fun. It was just—I mean, I look forward. I didn't give a damn. If I had a diamond in my pocket, if I put gas in my truck, yeah, and put gas in my truck to get back home, and maybe get a burger,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, I was fine. I was, you know. Um,
0: the music was that. The quality was that good.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was, was
0: kicking your butt in the best kind of way.
1: Cliff Richmond, and I will say this right now, whether he is or not, um, is one of the, the, the best. Musicians, guitar players, uh, band leaders. He's always had his own band. I don't know if Cliff has ever even played with anybody else. Uh, he gets people, and this is where I've met a lot of the famous people that he always gets in. Cliff Richmond, when somebody new comes to town and they start getting the reputation as this guy's really good, Cliff would be the first one to get him. Cliff was the first person got the Wootons in, I think. I'm okay. pretty sure of that. Right. Um, and he's always had it. Was Doug Moffat? Doug is still around. Yeah. I see him on Facebook all the time. He's still around. I haven't seen him for a while, but he's still around, and he's, I mean, he's still great. I mean, I have been privileged. I have worked in towns all over the country, uh, big ones, small ones. I lived in Bellrose, Long Island, for a while and great musicians, but so many places where all the players are still interested in being their own star Mm
0: -hmm.
1: rather than working with an organization to become a star. Right. Um, And so I've been working, you know, with guys like that. They were all pretty good. You know, the band would come and go. Some of them still do, but... um, I came to this town a lot it's what I was saying you know well, Nashville's one of the places where musicians need to go and at first I'm thinking well that's country I don't care about country Yeah. and he said well look man he said a lot of the players that you pl- hear playing on these records are all really good session players that like to play jazz and everything like that went, they like to play jazz these country players and he said yeah they don't play on the gigs you know and they're good country players you yeah. never know what else they do? So I started getting acquainted with them. Yeah. And that's where I, you know, kind of started getting a few gigs down here in Tennessee. Yeah. And um, so it's been pretty good. It's been up and down, and up and down. Um, you know, I'd like to get more than I've got at my age you now because I live a little bit out of town and a few things. Sure. Uh, but. I'm still, I guess I'm a little bit better known than I thought it was from what you say. <laughs>
0: oh, okay, um, I think you're well, well known.
1: Oh. Well, um, yeah. I appreciate certain that. Certain of no, that. I love it. <laughs>
0: um, did you, okay, so transcribing, for instance. If you're using like records to transcribe things, did you ever, did you do that? If you, Okay, you're learning stuff from ear. Yeah. By ear. I so, would
1: listen to it over and over oh, and over and I'd start playing along with it.
0: Okay. Because
1: I would love the melody. Yeah. I could hear the chords. I didn't know exactly what they were, but i just mess around. i get, getting close, getting close. That's how I did my mother's favorite, Patricia. Okay. Because, and she would always have me insist on playing it. (laughs) But anyway, so I started my life. I'll learn this. And I finally got it. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. I was able, I've always had good rhythm. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I do want to talk to you about the groove. I, I was I was listening now. Now I'm starting to think of many many things to talk to you about. That's I fine. get I get so excited. Um, <laughs> I was driving over here and I was listening to Dynamo mm-hmm. off of one of your CDs. I think yeah. it must be on. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're playing pedal bass pedal on that. Yes.
1: Yeah. I do. I do my own bass on all my CDs that are on my under my name. I, was... uh, I consider myself to be <clears throat> a bass player that just doesn't happen to play a bass.
0: Okay. I you... play,
1: play it with my left hand and my left foot.
0: You figured it out. Uh, oh, mm. your left hand and your left foot. Yeah. they double?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the way a lot of jazz players, Jimmy Smith is where I learned that. Um,
0: Did you see him live?
1: I've seen him live um, several times. Where? out uh, um, on the road. I saw him. In Indianapolis once, and where's it begin? It's those in, back in those days when it's kind of, you know, what do I want to do? I love this, I love this. This guy Jimmy Smith, you see that album right up there?
0: Yeah, you've got him um, back, back at the Chicken Shack.
1: It's mm, one of the first on, ones. That's one of his tunes on your wrote.
0: organ. Yeah, is that a? It's a A model A.
1: This is a model A, not an A one hundred. Yeah, a model A. Yeah, uh, 1936. Oh wow! First year that Lawrence Hammond came out with them.
0: It's in his living room, folks, and uh, <laughs> you you had it modified so you could use foot pedals with it, and
1: no, it it, I don't use those foot pedals. Oh, okay. But the pedals that came with it are just the same. Oh, okay. These just got all the rubbing on them from where I slid on with a shoe.
0: Okay, I got
1: it. But what Jimmy Smith did, and I didn't know it for a long time, and I'll bet there's still a lot of players that don't know this, that he played... He was the one that came out with that sound that you hear so much on the jazz organ. Right. And he played his own bass, and I'm thinking, well, I know it's bass pedals, but the thing that got this percussive punch. Yeah. And I kept trying to figure out how we'd get that. I'd sit down and I'd be playing one with the pedals. I... Where is that coming from? And I listen, and I listened, and then I saw, I think it was, I don't remember, I, I don't remember so much of that stuff, or at least when. But I figured out what he did, and what a lot of people do now, that play the pedals. They're not playing the entire full tone. They're playing it with their left hand, and then they're doubling it with the bass pedals, but it's going... You know. So when they play it with their left hand, they're playing ba da da But with each note, they're kicking the same note with their left foot. Not playing it all. Not yeah. holding it. But bang. So it's, it's that cute. way still.
0: Are you using volume pedal at the same time to accentuate?
1: Yes. It's not called a volume pedal. Uh, as an organist, it is called an expression pedal. Okay. But it is a volume pedal. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're, you're kicking it, uh, basically, to help make it groove.
1: Yeah. Well, see, that's the reason they call it an expression pedal, and other organ players, this is what you need to learn, is because it takes the place of the um, what you get when you hit a piano key. Um, you know, when you hit a piano key, depending upon how hard you hit it or you know, how long, that's where you get different volume and different tone, not tones, but all the different sounds or, uh, that you can get off of the piano. Right. You know, it's it's, it's that. Um, do the, the expression pedal does the same thing. So an organist, there again, an organist, the only thing uh, that an organist that an organ is like a piano is the keyboard. Period. Nothing else. So, it's. I learned to do. I tried to figure out well how they're doing this because I had my organ teacher said no, it's not a volume pedal. It's an expression pedal. It takes the the place of how you play the, the piano and how you get all of that. And he said you know you just kind of do you know kind of do it like that. I'll show you a little later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
0: he's kind of pressing it down pressing it back mm-hmm. up you
1: know it's um, quickly
0: sort of like a quivery kind of motion almost. yeah
1: well it's you know it's just you know just my right foot is just, it becomes natural mm-hmm. there's still a lot of keyboard players in bands that are playing in the clubs that got keyboards they got a lot of them got Hammonds B3s mostly B3s some of them are the newer module uh, digital ones one yeah. of which I have out there um that they think they're organ players. And I I tell them, I said, the same thing that my teacher taught me. I said, don't call yourself an organist. I said, you're not an organist until you play bass pedals. You don't have to play bass pedals in a band. But if you don't play bass pedals, if you're going to stand up behind it, which a lot of players do, a lot of really, really good players, don't call yourself an organist. call yourself a keyboardist or a pianist if that's all you play right but don't call yourself an organist or rather an organist. Uh, you might be an organ player, but you're <laughs> not an organist unless you kick the kick the sticks that's what we call it kick <laughs> the sticks and you know that's that's how that goes right it's just it's become my main instrument um. I I played you know others sometimes I've got a couple out there some Roland's and some stuff like that they're really good I've got uh, one it's not there it's still down in storage uh, The Roland made for a while it's a strap on keyboard an Ax1 okay you strap it on like a guitar yeah and it's got a keytar <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's what it... Is. Roland didn't call it that Roland called it an Ax1 okay. But, you know, you do some stuff up here, some slides and things like that, and you play it down here with the right hand Mm -hmm. uh, and weighed like 35 pounds, something like that, carried (laughs) around on a flight case. I could do it with my right hand. (laughs) No problem. So a lot of times toward the end I would take that over and play with Cliff Mm -hmm. over at the, you know, because I was kind of in the door when you get into where they're all playing. i got the stage over here, and I'm kind of in the door where – Stage right, extreme stage right, (laughs) right, but still there. Yeah, and just great fun. You know, I haven't. I've got two of those, but I haven't played one of those for, you know, since God was a baby. And um, (laughs) you know, but I still have them. And one of these days, I played it a lot with Cliff and a few other bands. Played it with Cliff because it was easy. I could get in with my amp and hit. I'd have it set up and ready to play in about 15 minutes. While the rest of the guys are setting up, their are getting about an hour. Yeah. And when I played the organ, and still, if I'm setting everything up myself, it'll be a good hour. Yeah. Uh, Add about 10 or 15 minutes getting it out of the truck.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs>
1: uh, doing it the way I do now. Regular organists when they're using a, an organ or a Hammond and a Leslie. You know, they just hook up the AC to both, and then there's a chord that goes from the, you know, the organ to, well, I'm not satisfied with that. Mm -hmm. I figured out how to modify them from some other road node musicians, you know, how to get other keyboards that you set up on top of the Hammond. Yeah. And run it through the Leslie, too. And then I love the sound of the wah-wah pedal coming out of a guitar. And I thought, man that would be really neat on this electric piano and I bet it sounds weird but cool on a B3 and I had the setup on the B3 what I could do is just a regular guitar cable going into the Leslie and control it that way Um, and so I was able to set these keyboards up and run them through the Leslie so I, I had this uh I guess it was a at that time. That was a Rhodes. And I set it up, and it ran through there, and it was phenomenal. <laughs> and so I thought, let me try this on this organ. Not so good. Oh. And the reason for that is because the wawa pedal would cut out certain frequencies. Okay. You know, as you go, wah, 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 like that. Uh-huh. Uh, or my hand may be going the opposite direction. But that's the way they do it, and there again ask Cliff Richmond one of the best wah-wah players I've ever heard, and he still does it to this day uh and I love it, but that's he's the one that basically I got the sound from
2: mm-hmm.
1: tried it on tried it on the hand and what to do it when you bring some of the the volume back or up, I don't remember it would cut out some of the bass frequencies it's just. You know, it just did not sound like a B three. It yeah. sounded like something that was some guy getting drunk and saying, to try this rah rah rah. And you know, so I unhooked it, so I ended up I still use when I play it, I still use all the the stuff. Right. That or that first B three that I had is famous. It has a bullet hole in it.
0: I heard that story. I listened to your NPR interview. Uh (laughs)
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs)
0: It saved your life.
1: It did. Absolutely. Um, And it's a wonder that it did. Because if you look at this organ over here, you see the bottom is open. Yeah. There's nothing. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm playing. Everybody on the stage, these gunshots going off, I said, what the is going on in here? Yeah. And it was real fast that people were freaking out. Then I hear gunshots. And I'm going, oh, sure, Oh, no. So, and the fellow player, man, they were going off the stage. And the people, there must have been three, 400 people in there. Oh, it was geez. a big, you know, one of them big places like Third and Lindsley or yeah. one of those kind of places.
0: What city was this?
1: This was in Indianapolis. Okay. Naptown. And so, everybody else, I got off the stage. I ran off, and I wasn't hurt at all. Uh, these other guys, some of them throw their instruments out, down. The horn players are taking them with them. And all this going on in a period of about a minute and a half. Whoa. And <laughs> my place training immediately, you know, came in. I knew pretty much what to do. I didn't even know that I knew what to do until I knew what to do. <laughs> and
0: That's great. I
1: didn't use all of it, but just some of it, you know, kind of keep some of these guys that said you know get behind here stay here keep down here so on and so forth and that's what saved it unfortunately there's some um, audience members that did not leave alive
2: oh, dear. Um,
1: the, it was a robbery Yeah. and it was uh, like I said a club about the size of actually a little bit bigger than third but you know same kind of deal so it had a side door that musicians could come in and load the gear into the stage but you could also, you know walk in and go out in the audience area go to the bar or whatever so these robbers there were two of them that came in the front door one of them came in that side back door, they had this thing planned out oh my well gosh. planned out, they come in, they were well armed and the first thing that happened the first shot that, that really got everybody else, cause like I say this happened like real fast quicker than I'm telling you um, gunshot rang out and whoa the <clears throat> bartender had been up there and this one robber went up to him pointed the gun right at his knee and he said the money now you're going to lose it Oh. the bartender thought he was kidding Oh, Bartender lost his leg and his knee.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And don't know if he, I mean, he lived then. Um, Some of the other people didn't make it out. There were some that, uh, that, that there were two cops that were in there that were off duty with their wives. Police officer is always on duty. Always, 24-7, a police officer is on duty. You may see them in their squad. Maybe doing their shit mm-hmm. and their uniform, except for the under, you know, unclothed cops. <laughs> Not
2: unclothed. <a> <laughs> <naked laughs> there, there
1: goes a naked cop down there. Oh, he's got his got his gun sticking up in his butt. Oh no, we shouldn't say that. Anyway, all cops everywhere, even some of them don't know it, but they're on duty. Well, these guys were in there. They were off, dude. They were with their wives. They came in to see the band and have drinks and dinner and so on and so forth. They went into action immediately. Immediately. They were carrying their weapons down here. You don't see them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: ID in their pocket. Mm-hmm. You don't know they cops. You know it when something like that happens. Immediately. That's when the gunshots rang out. Okay, because the one guy shot the bartender, that's when these two cops all of a sudden there we see these two guys come up and got guns and everything. I'm not talking about the robbers now, I'm talking about the cops that were with their wives, yeah, in civilian clothes, yeah, all of this going on, and I realized pretty quickly that they were cops because of my training, yeah, um, and so they were starting to move around, starting to get people out of the way. They had their gun... there was almost like an old Western gunfight that you see in the movies. Uh, but it all, from beginning to end, probably wasn't more than four minutes.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable <laughs> to this day, I don't believe it happened. I wasn't hurt. None of my players were hurt. Most of the audience players, well, there was only maybe a couple that were, like, injured. But then we had these two people that just happened to be in the line of fire. Yeah. Just, you know, they just were there like everybody else were. You know, so that, that happened. That was, well, you heard the NPR thing. It was. <laughs> <laughs> a was bullet? not a of, wasn't, The bullet it went through the front of the organ. Um, and somehow or another, I've looked at it to this day trying to figure it out. Every now and then, somehow or another, it went through the front part of the organ, but then we don't know where the the shell or anything went. And I had a little bit of training on that, and I'm looking out and it. Where the hell did it go? I still, as I'm talking to you, I don't know where it went. <laughs> uh, but Mark Veil from Keyboard Magazine, he's talked about it, and you heard it on NPR. Yeah. Uh, so that is the main is when I still use a b three on a gig that's the one I still take that's <laughs> just to show off the bullet hole but because it's the best organ sounding that I've got. It's the very first one that I bought Ah, and
0: what year is it?
1: it would be the organ was a sixty six six somewhere I can't remember the exact year okay. let's just let's carrots. talk uh, mid to late sixties, okay. That's where a lot of this stuff happened with me. Just...
0: Okay. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, settled down a little bit later. Then I met Leon, and then we did the, the duel, and then his sister came along. She turned out to be a fabulous singer. I still have recordings out there of, of, the, of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe in my room. But... You know, it, it slowed down, get a little bit more. Then I started with some show groups and it just got a little bit better, you know, a little bit tighter. Then I will start to be able to get into bands that I like to. Yeah. Then I started to be able to form my own groups. Okay. And...
0: What kind of groups? Like, mostly organ trios? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're always playing bass?
1: Yes. Okay. I never had a bass player. All right. got a lot of friends that are bass players. Yeah. Um... Victor Wooten, who I don't see very often because he's always out on the road. He's famous. But he's been in. I've played with him. He wasn't actually in my band, but we played together with the Wootens and everything. I sat in with him. Um, But I've always played my own bass. And I guess I'm the only person maybe with uh, with Charles... um, Charles himself is the only other player that's working with Jack Pearson and Duffy that plays the bass in that band, and he's kicking pedals. Yeah. The only other person, and there might be somebody else around, but if there is, I don't know who it is. Charles is the only one. And so he'll be down there, um, I'm pretty quite sure, next Friday night at Jack's birthday bash.
0: Okay. How would you teach yourself to do that? Do you? Uh, did you, uh, you you're not emulating bass players because it's a different thing I'm
1: it guessing. is sort of I sort of am now because okay. I listen to a lot I love it that's why I refer to myself as a bass player I just don't happen to play the bass that you strap on and play with strings yeah. I play it with my left hands because I've always loved bass I've always listened to the bass that's kind of part of how I was able to play by ear yeah to this day I would listen to the bass. And if I hear, somebody says, can you learn this? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: They'll give me a recording of it. The first thing I listen to is the bass. Then I fit in the sound of the chords. Okay, That's how I start to learn it. Gotcha. But it's mostly from the bass, because that's what I play. I play organ second, I play bass first. I don't know how many people know that or realize that they might think it's an ego thing on my part. I really don't care, because that's what I do.
0: It's interesting. So, uh... So the chords, the quality of the chord is what you hear next. You hear yeah. bass first, and then the quality mm-hmm.
1: of the chord. Yeah, how it fits together, and then the melody, okay. and then the singer.
0: Do you uh, do you ever play chords in your left hand and melody with your right and and kick pedals?
1: You ever? When I um, well, I do that a lot. Okay. You know, just playing. The, I can do both. Just the tapping of the pedals with the left hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just the bass pedals only. It depends upon what I'm playing and who I'm playing with and all that sort of stuff. Largely, I do that anymore with just other people that I'm sitting with. Charles, for example, when I go in to see Jack, you know, Jack, fortunately for me, pretty well calls me up uh, calls me up on the stage fairly soon, you know. And Charles, you know, he said, "Yeah, man, let's let's do it." So, I'm very fortunate. Thank you, Jack Pearson and Charles, and Duffy and all you guys. You made it very nice for me. Still do, but. I've done, you know, a couple of things. I've played, I've gone and sat in with groups that had B3s. Mm -hmm. And the B3 player would be kicking bass. Mm -hmm. And I'd be sitting in on piano. I've done that. Oh, yeah. And um, so it's, it's just, it's what it's been most of my time.
0: Who are your favorite organ players? (laughs)
1: Organists. (laughs) Some of them are organ players. Um, Boy, I like them all. Uh, Jimmy Smith was the first one I learned from so just about everybody else that does it you know because Groove Holmes is one of my favorites Groove Holmes came to town and I was playing at a place down in the on Herman Street that was had been a school at one time and there was a gentleman by the name of Elias Muhammad that came to town and he made the basement part of it into a Lounge club, and um, I went in to see Richard Groove Holmes because I heard this guy, right? Groove Holmes. I like. I learned a lot of organ bass from him because he's an organ bassist, or was. Uh, so I went to see him. So he called me up. There was a piano in that uh, Muhammad had in the place, you know, and it was up on the stage. And Ruth came in and had they had to get a, a B-3 out of a music store, bring it in, because all he had was a car and a trailer and his wife, <laughs> and so we got things where, you know, he and, but mostly Muhammad, at least Muhammad would say, man, can you guys do something together? You know, I am not think, I said, like, I don't know about that, I, <laughs> you know, you, you want me to play with Richard Groove Holmes, one of my favorites. I said, yeah, get up there. And, and Groove Holmes, really nice guy he was. Just He said, yeah, man, come on, let's try that. So I did, and it worked out really, really nice. Then we started doing organ and organ together. This was when, I'll go back just a little bit, and I'd been playing with him a little bit at, I uh, at, uh, uh, can't remember the place. Um, and it was, uh, Groove had had a drum. And he said his drum player quit, <laughs> oh. and he had a guitar player that went elsewhere. And Groove had already had two or three albums, uh, albums we call them days. And uh, I really liked him, and so I was just man, <laughs> Groove Holmes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was, he really liked me, and he said, look, he said I just had a tour canceled, in what we call the southern j- or the southern sort of jazz circuit. Um and he said I had the whole thing um cancelled because I heard I lost my drum and guitar player. Oh no. And he said he said, but I can still get the tour back. He said, we can do something really kind of strange but cool. And I said, What do you mean? He said, Well I can get a drum. He said, But how let's do organ and organ and drums.
0: Whoa.
1: And I thought that's gonna be really strange, who plays what you know who that sort of thing, yeah it it just worked out it you know he would do some stuff kicking bass, and then he would have me doing some stuff kicking bass, and he played bass lines. if you ever listen to any of his records, you'll hear him playing bass lines like I do, or should I say I play bass lines like he did other organists even organists don't play bass lines like that they don't play bass like an upright or you know fender electric bass doing jazz lines or rock and roll lines yeah uh, groove is really good I mean you know he came from the ghetto you know it's just one of them things he did I and mean, he did it really really well
0: how many gigs did you play with him
1: it was about probably about three months
0: Get out of here. Yeah,
1: it's about three months. Worked mostly on the east coast. Um up and down the east coast, which I'd already been familiar with. He said some of the towns were playing. I'd say, yeah, man, I was in that town one night with a rock and roll band. Man. You know? um, <laughs> and it it was just
0: Were it, you freaking out?
1: Yes and no. I I knew I was pretty good. At that time, I had to be, if somebody like Groove Holmes wanted me to come out with him and do two organs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've never wanted to show ego. It's hard for me not to, because I know damn well how I play. But I don't like to go out and say, hey, I'm better you get out of my way. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I am who I am. I know I play well. I know I do what I do. And I've been doing it for a really long time.
0: You do. I was going to ask you that. Oh, yeah. Did you Uh, sing when you were with the pop bands, too? A little bit. Okay.
1: Uh, I just started singing because it was fun. And I recorded some, you know, just little cassettes or something like that. You know, just me doing some stuff. It was okay, but I had some singers that I kind of liked. So I'd listen to them and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it just kind of went... You know, kind of like, okay, I'll start that. Well, now there's some people think I'm a pretty good singer, and I'm not too bad, but I still am a B three or Hammond organist. That's what I do. Gotcha. Um, I've got I've got one CD out, a uh, little blue Volkswagen uh, that I sing on. And here's another story, if you got time.
0: Uh, it's totally up to you. If you got time, i got time.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: um, but I do... Let me ask you this real quick before I forget. So don't... Okay, well, I'm not going to let you forget about the Volkswagen. Is that, what, is that where you're going?
1: Yeah, but I won't forget about that. It's,
0: okay. Do you write songs, too? Are they original compositions on your CDs, or...?
1: Yeah, some of them are. I never write them down, because I don't know how to write it. I just record.
0: Okay, yeah. Well, and, do you compose songs, I guess is
1: the yes. way to put it. Okay. Um, Dynamo was written by I hope I'm not getting this wrong I I have to look at my seat to tell whether it came from Phoenix or came from here Um, but it was written by a drummer who really I think he was I think it was Phoenix I'm not sure but I think it was there but he really liked you know what I did and he had another guy that actually, you know, played some music, so they kind of came up with some stuff, and they kind of came up with it to be match what they thought, you know, my style and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's how they name it, Dynamo. Sweet. And. Um, that's
0: very complimentary.
1: <laughs> it is. I mean, and here's another one. Here's my ego, boys and girls, mommies and daddies. <laughs>
0: well, listen, I think, you know, you, you're, you're due. You have the right to go ahead and say the things you've done. <laughs> and, you know, yeah.
1: Well, we're going to talk about Joy D. Francesco and Les McCann. Okay. Um, Joy D, I'd heard for a while. I had seen him when he was 17 years old. His dad, Papa John D. also an Oregon. I guess he's an organist. Um, he sort of taught Joey how to play. Joey's also an excellent trumpet player, and he plays drums. But organ is his thing. That's what he's known worldwide for. And he lived and still does live in, or his folks live in, uh, just north of uh, Phoenix. <coughs> so when I was out there living out there, I kind of knew him or knew who he was, and it wasn't too long before I could meet him. Yeah. And he was young. Um, he was just incredible, you know. And met him, and then met Papa John, his dad. Well, then I had a chance to do a, a CD out there. And so Joey introduced me to this guy by the name of Tim Honeycutt. I hope that's his first name. Um, but I'd had a couple of tunes, and I that the title of the CD was going to be Little Blue Volkswagen. That's one I was singing, and happens to be a Les McCann tune. So one night playing down there in in Phoenix at a at a blues club, um, called Char's. It's amazing how I can remember stuff that far back. Uh, Char's, Char's, C H A R S. From my di- and they still exist. But one night this. Um, Asian lady came up to the stage when it's getting ready to take a break and she says I want you to meet somebody this lady's name is Judy Wong I didn't know who she lived in Fountain Hills which is kind of a nice area Phoenix she said I want you to meet this gentleman took me over the table and here's this African American gentleman sitting there smiling she said I want you to meet Les McCann whoa I'd heard him with Eddie Harris, uh, and, you, know, the, you know, all these tunes, you know, Cold Duck, and turned out he was the guy that, you know, wrote um, and recorded uh, Little Blue Volkswagen. And I'd learned it from that way before I knew it because I thought, this is cool. I'm going to do this tune. Yeah. And so I did it, and I'd had a reputation. I hadn't recorded it, but I'd played it with this band and Judy had heard me a couple of times and knew that she she was a... I think they were together for a while. I don't want to say that because I don't know for sure. Okay, yeah. But they were friends, good friends, let's put it that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, she she told me who he was, and I'm just... And he was so cool. Yeah. Um, I played the tune for him. We went back, to, you know, and he said, Yeah, man," He said, That's pretty cool. <laughs> and he said... I ain't never heard anybody to play my tune. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well I just did. He said, well, let's let's record it. What? Uh the little blue oxley. Yeah. So he uh I had met Joey Du Francesco and his dad. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out a way to to record the song. I didn't have any money. You know, I'm a musician. You know, I got maybe 20 bucks in my wallet. You know, I got by dinner with that at McDonald's. But, I had met Joey and his dad. You know, they weren't exactly poor. Um, so, Joey, you know, we played mostly like at his house or something like that. Um, but, he had some money.
0: You would go out to his house and play organ with him.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, um, he had some money, so uh, I guess he knew less from a few places. I don't know, but it was worked out some way that I could record a CD with that tune on it. Okay. Turned out to be that CD. It turned out to be Little Blue Volkswagen is the song. I don't have any printed copies of it. just ran out of money, but I can give you a copy of it. Um, so we did that. That started doing really well. Yeah. And... I got the money. Now, Joey produced it. And on the tune itself, Little Blue Volkswagen, I was playing piano and left-hand bass through a bass sampler so that it sounded like an upright bass. Okay. And so when you hear me on that, you'll think it's a bass player. Okay. And I'm playing, uh, playing piano and a little bit of organ, but mostly piano. And with Joy producing it, I Little Blue Oakswagon, he comes in and he's playing the jam. I'm okay. playing piano and bass. Joy's playing the jam. Okay. The only tune on there that he's doing that. But things got a little bit better from there, a little bit better from there. Then they went up and down, up and down, up and down.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh kinda like his with the musician's life.
0: Yeah, this it is a up and down kind of life, isn't
1: it? This lady right here is responsible for me being <laughs> straight and sober and the whole deal.
0: Yeah. Susan just walked in the room. <laughs> yeah. Hello, folks.
1: My wife is Susan. Oh, Susan is my wife.
0: And Ted the dog is the over Ted here, Ted the too. dog,
1: Corgi. Yes. If you like Corgi dogs, we've so got sweet. one. If you don't like Corgis, then shut your recorder off.
0: Here, <laughs> uh. <laughs> here. Oh,
1: yeah. He's a great dog. So, anyway, you know, up and down. Well, Les and I, somehow or another, we just Went together like that. Yeah? We have, we think alike. Yeah? Um, He's just a wonderful person. Unfortunately, he is undergoing some, he's not doing too well. He's 84 years old.
0: Is he really?
1: And his birthday is the day after yours and mine.
0: No way. 23rd
1: of September. Um, there's some other... Fate. Ray Charles is on that day.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, a
1: few other famous players. I can't remember them right now.
0: And one of my podcast guests is September 23rd. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. She's,
0: she's a comedy improv pianist here in town. But, yeah, September babies. We rock.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we've got... Uh, you and I have got some... Uh, now I can't remember. we got a couple of famous people. That happened to have our birthdays. Mm
0: hmm. Joan Jett, I know for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, one actor, I don't know. <laughs> uh, folks, I can't remember anything from back then, so uh, forgive me for that. But last night, as recently, um, when I had the wreck, I called him about the next day. And I, sa- I told him what had happened. You know, what I thought had happened and all that sort of stuff. And he said, he said, Mo, you had a stroke. And I said, Les, I don't think I had a stroke. I'm not sure I'd be talking to you 24 hours after this happened <laughs> if I'd had a stroke.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And so I told him what they think happened. I won't say that here, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it was not drunk driving. I haven't had a drink since 1996. But um, you know, he said, "Get your ass to a doctor," and I said, "Well, I've got a neurologist. Well, I'll, you know, I'll go to him next." Where he said, "Get your ass to a doctor." He said, "Get get your ass to a hospital now." Mm-hmm. We're talking at about nine or ten o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "He said you've had a stroke," and I said, Les I have not had a stroke. I'm not even a doctor, but I know I haven't had a stroke." So. <laughs> so we got on the phone oh, a couple of days later, kind of keeping them up to date. And um, he and Susan know each other. Yeah. Um, you know, so he he told he wanted Susan to call him back. Well, Susan was busy; all this stuff was going on. Um, I haven't been able to talk to him a couple of times since then. Probably, maybe it's been about six months. Okay. Um we talked to each other on the phone anywhere from every month to about every half year. Yeah. Um and so we've been keeping them up on what had happened with the wreck and all that sort of stuff. And they said, Well you have Susan call me. Well we're busy. Susan I got He's not very happy with us. But right now he's has some other problems. Yeah. That are connected with age. Yeah. And um so that's that's where it stands at this point you know he's a name he's a wonderful person um I talked to him as recently maybe as seven or eight weeks ago or yeah like I said right after I had the accident and he was fairly well at that time
0: man it goes so fast sometimes it
1: does it does it just like you're going like this and then like this and like you know and um yeah. So if you, if people hear this, uh, I would like everybody to say some prayers for Les McCann. Yeah, he's 84 years old, an incredible musician with hits. When people hear compared to what they go, oh, that's Les McCann. Not only that, but when you listen to the lyrics of Les McCann, just listen to him and think about the current. Situation in our country is special now. You'd swear. Well, that man must have wrote that song last month. Mm. I won't say anything more about it. Listen mm-hmm. to the lyrics. Oh, compared to what? You'll know what I'm talking about.
0: Compared to what? Hmm. Okay.
1: And my former wife, who is now deceased, wrote a tune called. Actually, I helped write her a tune. You ask me if I wrote tunes. I forget about tunes I've written. Um, but it's a tune. Called. Um. Time lays the fools down to rest. This was back in the Nixon era. And those lyrics sound like they were written yesterday. There's yeah. no leader in our country, there's no leader on our country, just a king upon his throne, so on and so forth. Um, so that's a little bit of, of all of that. Right. Um, questions?
0: History repeating itself.
1: I- exactly. Cycles. So anybody, anybody, say a little prayer for Les McCann. Um, wonderful person, just I can't say anything better about him. Just you know. And li-
0: and listen to what's the name of the song that you guys wrote together and played played together.
1: Um, my ex wife and I. Or well, the um,
0: is it my blue my little blue Volkswagen? No,
1: that was that was uh, Les McCann's tune. Okay, uh, I played it myself with my group.
0: Okay, and he played with you, though, on the recording?
1: No, it was Joey Francisco oh, played on that. Oh,
0: that's right. Joey
1: just played on that song, and he, he produced the entire CD. Yeah. And he played just on that song, and I was playing piano and bass on it, and he was playing organ, and only just the uh, the solos. Okay. And anybody that knows any organ players or... Keyboard players that have listened to Joy Di they'll immediately recognize that it's him playing that solo. Yeah. There's Mo playing the organ. I mean the <laughs> piano and the bass. Yeah, we've heard him do that, but that's that has to be Joy Di because he has something to do with that record. Yeah. So that's that's where that came from. We we still we haven't communicated for a long time because he's done this that and the other thing. Um, he's gone representing another organ company. He's left handed and Mm. uh, gone with somebody else. Uh, But his style, you know, him and his dad, dad, Papa John, good organ player too. Just not famous. Just not out in the, you know, Papa John worked around Phoenix and I think around Philadelphia where they all came from originally. Right. And, um, but, we were pretty tight with him at that time. So he said, um, he said we're getting close to Christmas. He said, man, he said, we're going to have a, a little party at my house. He said, why don't you come over? Um, they've got my organ there. He said, my dad's going to be there. I said, we have a bunch of organ players there. And I said, a bunch of organ players? He said, yeah, dude and you. <laughs> and I said, oh. So we, it was a Christmas Eve party. And he says, you need to have your B3 here so we can have two of them in the room. So I had some people, well, he had some people bring it over and set it up. So we had his, his, actually it was his dad B3 and mine set up together and some drums in the room and then people. Okay. And um, wow. I got That's... a recording of that. You know, uh, Kara from um, <laughs> from the local, the place now called The Local,
0: yeah, yeah, As yeah. A jam. The the blues pro blues
1: jam. Yeah. And um now they're doing it, I think every two weeks the locals become it was the country, now they're called the local and they're kinda having different groups in. So the jam has always been on Tuesdays. I think it's gonna continue on Tuesdays. As a matter of fact, I think it's next one is this Tuesday.
0: Yeah. I think you're right.
1: I will be there if I can be carried in there. Not okay. carried, but trans- transported in there. Right. Um, Bill, Link, had a C-3 Hammond, same as a B-3, different cabinet. Yeah. Um, uh, he'd gotten one somehow and gotten it in there so it was, became the house organ. Yes. That was cool. Another incident that happened, like mine, also Doc Wade happened to be, there was, I was get trying to get up on the stage and couldn't quite make it. Couldn't quite make it. Um, so he helped me. Um, Larry Van Loan, do you know him?
0: Yeah, Larry's been on the show.
1: Yeah, Larry, Larry, great guy. He and he and I have known each other for a long, long time. Yeah, and just a super person. Yes. So I mean, I don't know if he was there that night or if he was out on the road with somebody, but Doc was there, and I didn't fall or anything like that. But I I didn't have my cane with. Right. Uh, And so I couldn't quite, you know, so he came up immediately. Got me up there, no problem. Once I was up there, no problem. Yeah. Even getting back down, not a real problem. But that stage was just about, oh, you see see that little stool over there by the window? Yeah. In the window? it's about that high. Yeah. Roughly.
0: Yeah. So. So, A foot and a
1: half. Yeah, trying to to get up on it. Yeah, you know, back in the old days, I could have flown on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but getting up on it, you know, started to show my age. Yeah. And so it's been kind of like that. Um,
0: well, there just needs to be, um, there just there just needs to be like an all star organ event in Nashville. Yeah. I've I've been thinking about this, just hoping we could put together a night of of all organists.
1: Well, what I wanted to do. Um, I did a Battle of the Bees here in town a long time ago um, with Tony Monaco. He was out of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And he came to town uh, to play a gig. And I talked to him and Jack several times. Let's have a B, another B3 battle with me and Charles and have Jack front the group because if anything could draw, Jack could draw and we'll see if we can't get Duffy to play drums or maybe Daryl Johnson who had been, Daryl's not he's been in town for a while but not for a real long time or if he has, I don't know about it good guy, great drummer so I said let's get Duffy or Daryl or some of these others that I know and um, and they're all in favor of it. I just haven't been able, mostly my fault, uh, just haven't really, I'm going to talk probably to Jack about it again. Yeah. They've already said, yeah, man, let's do it. And, you know, I still haven't done it yet. So the, the, the idea, you're talking about it, mm-hmm. the idea is there. Yeah. And someday, if I don't die first, um, It'll it'll come off. Can you cut off for a minute? I have to go to the right.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just bring it to a close. Okay. And because um, we've been going, you know, a We're long time. We've been going Hey, I just want to thank you so much for doing this. That's, nice. Wow. Uh, I just, I feel like, you know, we could do another three hours and I just keep on. Mm -hmm. uh,
1: Hell, I've got some Les McCann stories, but I mean, you know, those are later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll just have to get back together sometime. If you're you're up for it, I am. Um, I'm
1: always up for it. I have a, hey folks, I have a big eagle. I have a big eagle. Yeah. You just don't see it. Well, maybe you do. If you do, you don't talk about it. That's fine with me. I don't care. I know what I do. I know who I am. Thank you for listening. And I hope to see all of you folks that are listening to this around sometime. If you hear my name, uh, if you hear Edward Marshall, that I think you must have been in the service with me. And how the hell do you know I'm Mo Dunham? Anyway, hope to do this again. Thank everybody.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for mm-hmm. being willing to be a guest. And, and learned. I learned tons and tons
1: about Great. you. Glad you so, did. Uh,
0: we will uh, we will talk to you again sometime, hopefully. And uh, everybody, go go to Mo's gigs. Yeah, uh, when, you're playing next Friday night.
1: Yeah, I'll be I'll be just basically setting in with with Jack. I mean, it's his gig; it's his annual birthday badge.
0: Well, this episode probably won't air before that, so uh, we'll just have to put some links on the podcast page that uh, tell people what you're going to be up to. Okay, next. sounds so, good. Thanks again.
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) All right.
0: Take care. All right.